Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I am here, as always, with Father Stephen Gautier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is Director of Formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Father Stephen, I wanted to talk about something today that might be a little bit of, uh, it's something that might be on some of our listeners' minds that, that at least I remember when I was too embarrassed to ask, um, is that there's a lot of different words in the Bible to describe um, God's chosen people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And I could never figure out why, what's the difference and when and why would I use the term Jew, Israelite, Hebrew, these all seem to be in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, there are words that it's hard to even keep track of what refers to Jews and what refers to non-Jews at all. I mean, obviously, I, I knew that Gentiles means non-Jews, but but there's also, there's all these groups. There's Hellenists, there's proselytes, there's devout Greeks, there's just Greeks. Um, so like, I, I want to just go over, if we could just do a quick survey, um, what do each of these terms mean? Um, when do we use them? When, when don't we use them? When's it an anachronistic to use one or the other so that, um, you can help, you know, me and us not look like idiots. That that's really just what I hope to come out of the end of this episode is just, if you can help me Our not look like an idiot, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> many have tried, few have succeeded. So, <laughs> so let's begin. Well, in the Old Testament, the generic original term is Hebrew, which is a linguistic term. It speaks, it has to do with the language, and it will continue to have throughout the Bible have a language component to it, basically. Okay. It's, it's Hebrew, the Ivri, you know, it's people who speak Hebrew uh, is a group of people who have that, that, that common language. And so that's what we talk about, frankly, um, all the way... Uh, we use the term the Hebrews all the way through the time in Egypt. Remember, you know, the, it's, it's only when they basically get to the Holy Land that we also remember that we had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob was also known as Israel. Right. And he has the 12 sons, so we're emphasizing the 12 tribes, so we talk about the children of Israel being Israelites. Yeah. So actually the term Israelites replaces the term Hebrews once we get to the Holy Land. Because people in the Holy Land are called Israelites. Because they do the land itself, because they're the sons of Israel, the twelve tribes. Israel had twelve sons. So that's the so that's the tribal connotation. So it goes from a linguistic label to a tribal label. Okay, got it, got it. People of the twelve tribes. Yeah, people of the twelve tribes, the Israelites. Right. Okay. And then what happens is, of course, for a while, what we have is we have a breakup after Solomon. You know, after they come into the land and things, they have the tribes, and they unite under under Saul. You know, but what we have here is uh, there's a breakup that we eventually have the basically the north of the kingdom and the south, and the south is essentially Judah and part of Benjamin. You know, essentially Judah, one of the one of the twelve tribes, and everybody in the north, the bulk of the country is Israel. So they call the northern area since it's everybody but basically Judah and a piece of Benjamin. They call it uh, they call it uh, Israel. They call the south they just call Judah after the tribe of Judah. 
Right. Now, right. later on, the Romans are going to call that Judea. That's a Latin term from late, much later on when the Romans come. Okay. But, but originally, we call it Judah in the Bible. Judah is the land where the tribe of Judah lives. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Yeah. Okay, there it is. <laughs> like, where, where, which, what state is Oklahoma City in? You yeah. Know? Oklahoma? Yes. And just a real basic overview, right? But the, the tribe of Judah... And the, and the and the Israel the kingdom of Israel or the the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel southern and the northern kingdom each of them have their problems but Judah tends to be more faithful to God right than Israel that's just the yeah the re- there's a reason for it at the time of the break is that the temple which is the focus of the of the uh, the Israelite religion falls into southern hands I see okay and therefore that's why we have the first uh, you know the uh, uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the great villain, you know, here is the one who says, we have to have an alternative pilgrimage site. We can't have people going up every year, a few times a year to Jerusalem, if they're going to start identifying with that other country. Right. So he says, let's put up two sanctuaries, one in Samaria and one in the north in Dan. And they put up statues there and that's where we get these rival sanctuaries. So they, they have to define themselves separately religiously. Okay. And so that's why we associate them particularly with unfaithfulness. Okay, so I get how Jew Jew comes out of Judah, Southern Kingdom. Why it is? Why, why are, it sounds like after that we're just referring to Southern Kingdom? Why? Why? How did Israel pass out of usage? Well, what happens when the Assyrians come is basically the people of the northern tribes are assimilated. They're deported things, but they assimilate. They just become like when people come to America. A lot of times people came and just sort of became Americans in every sense. Right. You know, they just cease to be anything else. And so basically we don't have any clear tribal identities anymore, except for the ones who are the great Babylonian captivity is only people from the South. Yeah. The Yehudim, you know, the ones who become the Jews. And so once we get back into the Holy Land from the Babylonian exile, we just simply call them the Jews because, you know, the, that's all that's left is the tribe of Judah, the Yehudim. Okay. So okay. They're, they're the Jews. So then Jew becomes the generic term through all of that yeah. tumultuous history. Yeah. There you go. So mm-hmm. so then I was I I have always been aware that the word that I you know I'm a gentile that the the word gentile just means not Jew, but where does that word come from? Well, actually what's the Hebrew that's a actually a Latin term. It's just translating the Hebrew is uh the nations we heard goyim you've heard that 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 sounds it's simply the, yeah, the regular hebrew word for the nation yeah I've, actually they refer to themselves as a nation yeah i've watched enough uh like barbara streisand movies to know the word goy means <laughs> right. yeah but what it means it did what it didn't originally mean different what they, they they would talk about israel was a nation yeah but they talked about when you talk about the plural the there was israel and the nations okay everybody else the other everybody else and the, yeah, that was called the goyim and they had to translate in the Latin Bible, and they translated basically to gentes, which is a Latin word for nations, and that becomes Gentiles. Okay, yeah. So it simply means the nations, meaning every all the nations other than Israel. Israel and everybody else, the nations. Got it. So it's just the foreign nationals, basically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right, so that's Gentiles. So again, a quick thing is we start out with Hebrew, which has to do with linguistics. You know, once that stays the term all the way until the Exodus... Because we're then we emphasize we go into the land as we start emphasizing being tribes, right? The big thing where tribes become important is when we divide up the land. Sure. Well, the tribes come from Jacob, who's also known as Israel. So that they call themselves Israelites, the son. You know, they're the twelve tribes that come from Jacob. You know, the Israelites. 
And then when the uh, Israelites, eventually what happens is all the only ones of the tribes that survives, you know, after that is going to be the tribe of Judah. So once they come home from Babylonian exile, they just call themselves the, you know, the, 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 the ones for the tribe of Judah, the Jews. Okay. Okay. And so, Gentiles and the nations refers to everybody else who's not a Jew, everybody else. Right. So then in the, in the new Testament, we get a lot more terms, both for both that refer to Jews and that refer to Gentiles. Right. So let's go over those because they factor, they're really important factors in uh, certain books of the New Testament, especially, especially Acts, especially Romans. Um, right, you'll miss them if you don't know the terms. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really important to understand who's who. So So let's get into who's who. Okay. Well, we have... A Jew and Gentile, we bring those terms, but it becomes much more complicated. You see, well, something has happened with the Jews. A lot of Jews, because there's a lot of free movement in the Mediterranean, sought their fortune elsewhere, like people going to America. Yeah. You know, uh, people began, especially with the Pax Romana, people began really moving, but even well before that, uh, the great Roman peace, people began moving, migrating. Uh, Jews were migrating elsewhere in the Eastern Mediterranean. And the Eastern Mediterranean was Greek-speaking, and Greeks was the popular culture of its time. It's like English now. Everybody's learning English around the world. Anywhere you go, I say, to, to my distress, you know, I, <laughs> there used, when I was young, you still could speak French places, but now everywhere I go, people say, can you speak English? Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it becomes everywhere. Yep. And so that's what Greek was like. And so people, the, the, Greek, the Greek word for Greece is Hellas, is the name of the country. So Hellenist was somebody who basically had Greek culture. Yeah. So it didn't mean they were ethnically Greek, but somebody who like to come to America and they speak English, they're American, they, they, they behave like that, even though, regardless of their background. So we began distinguishing the many Jews who lived elsewhere in foreign countries, we call the diaspora, you know, people who are spread among the nations, the diaspora, the ones who are spread around, that's what it means in Greek, diaspora, spread around, is they began calling them Hellenists, meaning that, yeah, they were Jews, they were full Jews and they were physically Jews. I mean, they, they, were, they, they were descendants of Abraham, but they had lost everything uniquely Jewish except the religion. Mm -hmm. They spoke Greek. That was, matter of fact, that's why we translated the Bible originally into Greek. It wasn't for foreigners. It was because people in Alexandria couldn't understand Hebrew anymore. Yeah, yeah. They didn't use it. And so their mother tongue was Greek. And so they had to translate the Bible into Greek so they could read it. Got it, got it. Okay. And so they're called Hellenists. So with one exception in the New Testament, the word Hellenist means people who are in fact Jews, but they're simply Greek-speaking Jews. Meaning okay. Greek is their mother tongue. Okay. Uh, their pr their principal language. And so they went back to the linguistic terms. So they talked about Hebrews as being Jews, in the New Testament, a Jew who actually speaks Aramaic, who speaks a Jewish language. Okay, yeah. Aramaic. It's closely related to Hebrew. Hebrew by this time was essentially a dead language. But this is, uh, this is marking... Really a, close. Okay, but this is marking a cultural distinction here. A cultural distinction. All right. It's what later on in the 20th century, the term was actually used in, in Jewish studies. People would call, talk about Jewish Jews. Yeah. <laughs> they really used that term. I mean, ones who were actually Jewish in the sense that there was something different about them. You know, they actually went to synagogue. They had the, as opposed to secular Jews. Right. But in the 20th century, early in the 20th, they used to call them Jewish Jews, the Jewish Jews, the ones who actually were Jews. Who was, yeah. who was, uh, was it Woody Allen? I don't think it was Woody Allen. It was someone else. But he said, eh, yeah, I'm a Jew, but I'm, I'm only, you know, Jewish. <laughs> yeah. So what happens, though, is there's a lot. Here's what happens a lot in the Acts of the Apostles that's really important. Is remember early on when we have the first deacons, remember, chosen? Mm -hmm. because they're having, The trouble is between the Hebrews and the Hellenists. 
Right, right, right. Meaning, here's what happened. People who lived in the Holy Land and spoke Aramaic, felt that they were the real thing. They were a Jew's Jew. Yeah. And they were really suspicious of people who lived elsewhere. Not that they weren't Jews. Of course they were Jews, but they didn't know much about the religion comparatively. They were so educated in Greek things that they just sort of spoke with an accent, so to speak. Sure, sure. Yeah. They thought like Greeks thought. You know, you, know, you sort of take your way of thinking into things. So they weren't really Jewish in, in quite... Yeah, you know, we love these guys, but they're not really us in the same way. Okay. And they were very suspicious of them being really open to foreign influences. I mean, if your mother tongue is Greek, it means you're reading all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you're reading these philosophers and things. Think about Philo and stuff. Boy, that guy knew, knew Greek philosophy. Yeah. And Philo's a famous Jewish writer. Right. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know before, before our Lord. And so what happens here is where the suspicion was is they looked upon the second tier Jews in the sense of it's like this. If you're an Italian and you find out there's somebody, you come to, you're visiting America and you find somebody who calls himself Italian-American, you say, well, that's sweet that you have an Italian name and things, but you find they can't speak Italian. Yeah. They're, they don't keep any Italian customs. What they have is they make spaghetti and they, you know, uh, or something. Yeah. You say, well, you'd say, well, they're Italian, but not like we're Italian. See yeah. the difference? We're the real, we're the, we're, the, we're the definers of what it means to be really Italian. We're not denying you're Italian. That's sweet. That's nice. But you're not. We're the ones who will tell you what an Italian is. Right. Don't start telling us what an Italian is. And that's how Hebrews felt. That's why Paul says, I am a Hebrew. The first thing on his list in 2 Corinthians, I'm a Hebrew, meaning he, was, he spoke Aramaic natively. Hmm. Even though he was raised in Cilicia and spoke Greek perfectly, but quite without the fact that he, but he was native language is Hebrew. I'm not Hebrew, rather Aramaic. Okay. Okay. By the way, when they use the term Hebrew in the New Testament for language, like he spoke to them in Hebrew, they mean Aramaic. They mean Aramaic, right. Here's why. Because it basically meant Jew talk. <laughs> <laughs> Got <laughs> they it. talk the way they, they're Hebrews and they, they talk their special language. They didn't distinguish between Aramaic versus Hebrew. They speak that Semitic language. Okay. So they just call that Hebrew if Jews spoke the language. If, if it wasn't Greek, they'd call it Hebrew. Okay. Okay. And notice something else that's interesting in the, in, in the Acts of the Apostles is Stephen was really... Notice Stephen's name is Greek. Matter of fact, all those seven right. deacons have Greek names. Right, exactly. Stephanos means crown. You know, Philip means horse lover. I mean, all of them are really regular... All are regular Greek names. So when Stephen is, ex, uh, is executed, remember what happens. It says there is a great persecution, but notice the, it mentions all the apostles stayed. Why? Because the apostles were Jews, Jews. Mm. Mm. No one suspected them. They were fine. I mean, even though they might have strange views, they were Jewish Jews. Got it. So they missed the trouble the is these Hellenists. Yeah. The Hellenists were the ones who had to go. Got it. Because we knew they would be susceptible to this stuff. Right, right, right. Okay. Oh, fascinating. All right. So a lot of the times the Christians being persecuted are actually, uh, uh, actually Hellenistic Jews, people who are, yeah. Okay. That's well, they come from that background. Right. Know, but the thing is, see, we told you this would happen. Uh-huh. We told you these people don't really know their faith, and so they're really open because they're so Greek. Sure. They'll take these ideas and go with them, whereas, well, these guys, you know, and even the Talmud says good things about uh, James, brother of the Lord. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he was a Jew. Uh-huh. I mean, a practicing Jew. He might have had strange ideas, but, you know, that the idea. So. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so... So, we also have other terms, though, for different groups... So there's proselytes and there's the devout. So who are these who are these people? Well, a lot of people were really in the ancient world, the Greek religion, Greek Roman religion, no one really it wasn't it didn't meet religious needs. Yeah. You can see and that so when people, you read Yeah, when Ovid. people wanted religion in our sense of meaning religious needs as opposed to just here are the ancestral customs and things, they basically turned to philosophy. 
If you wanted that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, you turned to philosophy. That's what took care of morals type of stuff. Sure. And so some people, but they were really, some people really were looking for a religious answer or a philosophical answer. And they thought Judaism, the one God, the truth of the God of the Old Testament really struck them. But uh, so a proselyte was someone who actually converted to Judaism. Mm. Mm. They actually, and then they're full Jews. In Judaism, if you're converted, you are a Jew. That's right. That's right. It's not a, it's not a bloodline religion in, in that, in that same way. Well, here's it. If you're, once you are a Jew, uh, any child of a Jewish mother, regardless of their belief, once you're in the line, is a Jew. Oh, okay. But it's not but like you, you can, can't get in on it. You can get in. Okay, so you can get in on it, but uh, it, it is... Okay, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But even an atheist who's, a, you know, according to Jewish law, who's the son of a Jewish mother is a Jew. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. Okay. But the trouble is there are two big downsides to actually converting because we have tons of people who are interested in Judaism. Judaism was a big religion in the ancient world. It might have been up to 10% of the Roman Empire was Jewish as far as about Jewish faith hmm. because it was really the religion in the sense of it's the most sophisticated, you know, it's our faith, the faith of God. And so what happened was is to be a Jew, first of all, you had to be circumcised if you were a man. And then... And that was a really big deal because in the ancient world, there was a lot of public nudity and that was really looked upon very badly by others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His look is perverse. I mean, the Romans looked upon it as really sick. Uh, they really thought that was weird because actually they thought the Roman view was it was done to enhance sexual pleasure. Oh, okay. And they thought that's, you know, when you actually start doing stuff to your body, they thought it was creepy. Um, so it was, and everyone would see because you go to the baths and things. It's not something like, you know, boxers and briefs. You'll just sure, have to yeah. knowing. <laughs> okay. But, uh, another thing was even worse than that though. Worse than circumcision was the fact that you had, um, that to be, as I mentioned, it's actually apostles because of the special rules, you couldn't stay under the roof of a Gentile. You couldn't eat with them, etc. It means your family would be off limits. Hmm. Hmm. If you could mean you never eat with your family again. You couldn't participate in public festivals because they had some connection with the temple and things. So a lot of people said, I want to worship the one God, but I want to cut myself off from my family and public celebrations and things. So they created this halfway house called the devout. So they would would attend synagogue services. They'd worship, you know, they would, they wouldn't worship the other gods, but they wouldn't get into the Mosaic law. Okay. They do some similar thing, but they would want to get into that in a way that would cut them off from their family. Maybe they're not going to be eating pork, but potentially, but they're certainly not going to not refuse to eat with a Gentile. Okay. Okay. I see. Those are devout. And often they're called dev- like devout Greeks. Now, Greeks mean, the term Greek means a Gentile who happens to speak Greek, which is most Gentiles they knew. Okay. If you, you know, if basically from our point of view, looking at the Mediterranean, from a, with our looking toward the Mediterranean, everybody out there we know speaks Greek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we know the Romans and things, but they're basically all Greek speakers. And so, so this again I mean, is a, know. so this again is a linguistic term. It's yeah. talking about those who speak Greek. Okay. Yeah. So Greek actually means a, um, a Greek person. You know, so you know, so the Greeks simply mean, and which by definition would mean they're they're not a Hellenist because if they were Greeks who were Jews, they would be Hellenists. Hmm. Hmm. So Greek means you know non-Jewish Greeks, real Greeks. Okay. Okay. So this this brings some some of the biblical stories into focus then, because you know when Stephen is condemned to death by the Sanhedrin, he's um, he's a, a Hellenist. He's a you know he's a culturally Greek. Jew. So that's why they're after him and not after, you know, James at this point. 
Um, yeah, they immediately suspect them. These but you can't trust them because they're really Greeks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they mean well, but you know, they they were raised that way. They're inevitably going to pick up the accent, so to speak. They're going to start seeing things like Greeks see them. Okay, and this also brings, I guess, this also brings into perspective that why um, the devout or you know, sort of um, Judaism curious uh, Gentiles are prime converts to the Christian faith, right? Oh, Lord, yeah, this is, you know, the Jews said it was basically Christi Christianity was Judaism light. Yeah. Is you could have all the good stuff and drop the commandments. You know, the things like all the special, you know, food laws and things like that. Matter of fact, this had a huge, uh, later on in Judaism, this had a huge effect. Remember, it's, the Lord said that, you know, you'll cross sea and land to make a single convert. Mm -hmm. Remember? Judaism used to be a missionary religion. Yeah. They used to seek converts. That stopped because of Christianity. Right. If you read in the Talmud and things, but people basically, they were very disappointed because basically all these, this middle class of people who were sympathizers overwhelmingly became Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And they felt we did all this work and they became Christians. Yeah. And so they actually changed the rules in Judaism. You have to turn people away three times before you can accept them. So if you go to this rabbi said, I think I, I want to be a Jew is he's going to encourage you not to. He has, that's the official way how you do it. Oh, I see. Okay. You're told, oh, no, no, what you should do is practice your own religion well. Uh -huh. He would uh -huh. tell, if you went to a rabbi, now God forbid to say, I would think I want to be a Jew, he'd say, I think the best thing you could do is be a really good Christian. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's what you really should do, Alex. Sure. And you'd have to, it's the third time, and it's a ritual. The third time he can say, then why do you want to be a Jew? And you, the answer is you want to be worthy. Um, right, uh, right. You know, uh, but in any event, so it's turned from being a missionary religion to being very suspicious of converts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and actually discouraging conversion. Okay. Because they said they were burned. They thought people aren't really don't become fully Jews are, are a risk factor to, uh, uh, to the religion. Okay. So then in proselytes brings into that, that clarifies the circumcision issue, right? Because the question was, uh, do you need to become a proselyte, i.e., go all the way and become circumcised before you can become a Christian. That was the whole controversy, right? So. Yeah, the basic idea would be like that Judaism was like saying you have to graduate college before you go to grad school. Yeah, yeah. And so their basic view is you have to be, be a Jew first. You convert to Judaism and Christianity is Judaism plus. It's the fullness of Judaism and so you have to be a Jew to be a Christian. Sure. Was the, argu uh, the, the argument of, the, of what they call the circumcision party. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Judaizers are the terms that are used. But whereas the um, other party said, no, you can go directly in. You right. know, the Christianity will take you from where you come. That's why Paul says, Titus, who is actually uh, from a Gentile father, he doesn't have to get, get circumcised or start taking on the commandments. He can become a Christian, whereas Timothy, who came from a Jewish mother, uh -huh. well, that made him a Jew. So he said, well, you should get circumcised. The Jews are going to think we're trying to discourage them from following the law. Sure, sure. So Paul circumcises Timothy quite publicly. So everybody knows he's circumcised. Because so be, people were trying to say he was actually trying to discourage Jews from being Jews. Yeah, yeah. And Paul said, that's not true. We're not, all we're simply saying is someone is not a Jew, we don't make them a Jew to become a Christian, a full-fledged Christian. Mm -hmm. But we're not telling Jews to stop being Jews. Okay, yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks, Father Stephen. Anything else you have for us for uh, terms for Jews and non-Jews? No, I think that should really help. The thing you want, you don't want to talk about the Jews crossing the Red Sea or something. <laughs> there you go. Just remember, they're, they're Hebrews until they're in the, in the promised land. They become Israelites and they cease being Israelites when they get back from the, get back from the Babylonian captivity. There you go. There you go. 
you this has been your uh, primer on how not to look like an idiot from the pulpit. <laughs> it's certainly something I wouldn't know anything about. But, uh, well, thank you, Father Stephen. Thank you for listening to Word and Table. And uh, we'll be back next week for more on liturgy, sacraments, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening. <laughs>